Okay. Thank you. So Daisy Hoppins, we're related. This is really, really exciting. I have to say, I think it's extraordinary what you've done. And I see a lot of similarities with myself because I was so young when I started. And at the beginning, when you kind of imagined your business, and I know we sometimes used to talk about it, and you were sort of quite cautious because that's your character. But yeah. were you sort of, did you imagine it would be as big as it is today when you started? No, and it's a bit like, as you say, when you started, I remember you telling me your first ever job. I think we were actually sitting in our, well, your mother, my grandmother's flat. Yeah. Me, it was that there was nowhere... There was nowhere else I really wanted to go and, go and work. And I felt, I, I didn't really feel like I had another choice, but I didn't want to run a business. Right. It was never, it was never an, like a desire of mine to run a business, like have a huge team. I just knew I didn't want to be doing what I was doing, if that right. makes sense. And, and you worked for some pretty good companies. And I remember bumping into people at Purple saying, oh my God, we just couldn't live without Daisy. I just kept remembering going to events and people stopping me and saying, oh my God, Daisy's amazing. And you kind of built your name under other people's businesses in a way. Well, I was very lucky. I also had amazing, amazing teachers, is what I would also say. You know, I think unless you're a creative person, again, like yourself, you learn, you learn from the best. And it was quite old school when I was working at Purple. I remember doing fashion week requests over fax and things like that. I mean, which seems totally mad in today's pandemic. Yeah, I know. But it was at a time when you were still expected to talk to people face to face. Yeah. And actually, I think that's kind of been really, really important for me because it's really kind of kept that personal nature. Mm. And when I also looked at kind of, the stresses of running maybe a huge business like some of the big agencies I worked for, I, I'm actually kind of in awe of someone like Nancy or Carla Otto because uh, the idea of having five offices all over the world with like 100 employees, I now bow down to those women or mm -hmm. men that do that because even with 12 staff and so many personalities, I realize actually the larger your company becomes, the more it, you do HR. You don't yeah. even really do your yeah, job yeah, yeah. anymore. Totally. So totally. I, I had no idea when I started my business. I remember our father, again, your brother, very kindly said I could work from his top floor in his gallery. And I bought my first ever laptop because that's, you know, we've talked about notebooks, bought a laptop. And I finished at Carla Otto on the Friday and I started on the Monday with, and I remember my father said to me, you know, he's, he's quite direct. And he yeah. said, I don't care about online blogs. I want the FT print or the New York Times <laughs> print. And it was like having to make a whole new group of friends. Like I'd never spoken to an arts editor or photography editor before. And I guess that is one of the things about PR. You have to learn how to get to know someone. Yeah. And get to know all these different people. And then from there, we kind of, I guess, grew in terms of fashion. And But I think it's very apt now for the listeners that are going to listen. And the reason I wanted to, you know, to have you on our series, because you're so much younger, <laughs> and, you know, but no, but it's important because when I started my business, it was about communication. We had no social media. You know, it was getting in a car, driving to find somewhere, yeah. meeting someone at a party, doing that networking, creating friendships that still to this day, there are editors that I still know. And I know I can pick up the phone and call. And I think you're one of those few people that has kind of almost, you're quite, 
quite old-fashioned but forward-thinking and I think it's paid off in your business. I'm super super old-fashioned I mean I also from when I left Carla Otto I I mean basically telling someone you're a PR is not great anyway telling someone that you fashion PR people just think of like ab fab that's like the first thing that springs to mind so I made a decision when I left that I was going to be out six nights a week basically getting out and about and yes seeing all these people and making sure that I was actually talking to people face to face if someone had just had a baby and they wanted to have like a coffee near their house I would I would do that but I think that's so key and it's what I keep telling people that ask me advice about businesses and when you're starting off and and today other big companies it's all done on email there's no personal contact and yeah, it's a pain. I used to do it. I was out every single night and, you know, going to the opening of everything. Just, but you would come back and think, I made that connection and I know that's going to lead to something else and so on and so forth. And I think now more than ever in this kind of pandemic we're in, these long-term relationships that you've spoken about or the, the things that you do for your friends in the industry, you really find your friends in the industry that then like hold you together and bring you through situations. It's like a glue, isn't it? Yeah. And obviously that it is work, but obviously when it's your business, your work does kind of become your life. So to have these kinds of real friendships, whether it's an editor in your PR or someone's a stylist or an art director, you all look out for each other. Yeah. How you can help each other out. You kind of fill in it together. Like, you know, when I was at Purple, some of my friends were interns in fashion cupboards. And now, you know, they're in very, very different positions and you kind of grow up together and it's really, really nice. And I stress that to my team a lot, like get off your computers. If you want to go to the pub on the Friday night with someone, go and go and do that. Like these are the people that will be like your, your friends for the next 15 years. If you're kind of really passionate about doing this job and being. And I think, you know, I hate to say it, but this is always going to go back to the, the situation we're in now. I think now more so than ever people have to, you know, we're doing so much of this FaceTime stuff, which is so much better than emailing, as tiring as it is, but at least you see someone's expression, you see whether you're connecting with them. Um, and I think that it's really, really important. But one of the questions, when you started, because your, your client list is very specific, like you have, a, you have a look and you own it and it's amazing, and, but you've, you've been very specific with your clients. Yeah. I suppose it's similar to me in that I have my style and I, and, I, and I love it and I own it and I've always stuck with it. But do you think, because I don't know many PR companies that have been so kind of uh, strong-willed like you have, because I know I've often sent you, you know, so-and-so is interested in whatever and you're like, it's just not for me. So what made you stick to that? Is it because you believed in them? Because let's face it, you've helped grow some of your clients massively into quite big well big brands now you know well I think there's a few things I think that especially in something like fashion to be original and creative and unique is very very hard and I don't take on any brand that bears similarity to any other client it's not like a competition kind of thing I like taking on people who have like a really unique point of view that's really really important to me the other thing is manners I kind of decided when I started my business that if I couldn't have a transparent conversation with someone or talk to them in like a certain way, and if they couldn't talk to even an intern in a certain way, then we wouldn't work with them. Yeah. And you kind of know in the industry, you know, who, who you want to work with and who you don't. 
but also I kind of wanted to grow things very, very slowly. You know, we're all, even before this kind of pandemic, we were so used to working such crazy hours that I only really wanted to take a client on if I really, really felt that not only was I really excited about them, but my team would go home and tell their friends and say, oh my God, we're so excited. We're going to be working with so-and-so. And so whenever like we've been approached or we've been talking to someone, I always ask my team, yeah. like, are they excited? Because if they're excited, then I know that they will work. Yeah, they're passionate. They're going to work really hard. And longevity. There's very, very few brands out there. Like I get sent like beautiful lookbooks, whether it's lifestyle or fashion or beauty, and it's very nice, but either it references someone else too much or I can't see where it would go in say a year's time. So it's always about or what you could do with it. Yeah. yeah. I just, it's always about people that I really feel like I've got something special that can own something like own like a look or an idea or like have like a unique story point to them. That's kind of. And how, how do you think your style, because I know that, you know, obviously Rosha, you know, you grew up with them <laughs> and you love her clothes and you're quite similar in that kind of look. And now sort of Vampire's Wife, Molly Goddard, all of that, you know, you've got a certain and you wear it so well. I mean, I know I've just bought a Molly Goddard, but it was probably <laughs> one of the most simple ones there were. <laughs> but um, but do you think she had a lot of influence on you growing up? I mean, it's really lovely because we kind of talk a lot about the fact that we've kind of grown up together and actually, you know, she's learned a lot from her parents and I've learned a lot from our family as well. I think what I love about people like Molly and Simone or actually most of my designers, even Susie, they design for quite a wide range of women. Yeah. You know, whether it's like, for example, someone like Susie Cave, I've never met a designer that designs for my body shape you know, for someone with breasts, you know, like, and I, and I love that about her with Molly again, like I love seeing the way that she wears the clothes. Like maybe it looks kind of pretty on the runway, but the way that she wears it with like a t-shirt underneath or jeans underneath and sneakers, she actually aspires me to wear it in a different kind of way. Yeah, I've yeah, always yeah. had a bit more of a Gothic feeling. I mean, I would love to be chic like you or chic like Mimi. I remember. Really? God, I, I look at you and think if only I could pull off those cloggy shoes that you wear because I just got to tell all the readers when I put this Molly Goddard dress on I had some stuff sent over for matches but I I had those shoes on because I was trying on the stuff that came not to wear them with a daisy went I love the dress but not with those shoes and when I looked back at the picture I was like oh my god I wish I hadn't been wearing those and then you sent me pictures of yeah. these kind of Birkenstock things and I don't know how I can pull it off I think you I think you can I think just it's always that kind of, um, if something's very pretty, then you try and find that kind of harder. The balance, yeah. It's the same with what I do in design. Exactly. But I mean, the way that my sister Mimi dresses, you know, in like kind of old Celine and like a cashmere jumper and some tailored trousers, it just doesn't suit me. I would love yeah. to get a person, but it just, or even I look at our grandmother, she's got like a really kind of, it's her look and she owns it. But me wearing that just wouldn't suit me. I mean, I look like a witch most of the time and my, my ex <laughs> used to say that don't scare any children on the way to school <laughs> so but, who would you say was your mentor growing up um well I do think that family like obviously you you've definitely helped me a lot and I remember when I got set up granny was really really helpful in terms of just everything from like legal to finance advice but there wasn't really 
an agency or like a mentor in that way. It was actually someone called Katie Baggett that I always thought was kind of incredible in how she had worked. Yeah. She, she had worked with um, Phoebe Philo kind of like before Phoebe was at Celine, but kind of over that time as well. And she was like a mentor to her brands as well as like an agent. Mm. And as someone like, I guess, like Camilla Lauder is quite similar in that way as well. And so I kind of decided quite early on, I didn't want to just be this kind of non-personal agency but I wanted to be very kind of personal with the people I worked with like yeah. always overstep the friendship line but yeah in terms of navigating it in all honesty I wish there had been more mentors and I wish that you know in times like today I had that mentor to go to but actually it's actually been family that have been able to give me more advice than yeah. I think it but I mean um I mean, I'll come to that, but what do you think drives you? Is it passion, fear, money, growth, or all the above? I mean, all, all the above. Fear, adrenaline, like a lot of the time. I think also um, responsibility. Mm. I feel incredibly responsible for my staff. And then, as I mentioned, my, my clients, like it, you kind of care. But that's what makes you successful because... I have a lot of staff and yeah. you know every Monday and every Friday I send a big essay of my thoughts on what's going on in the world and how I can support them and yeah. push them and whatever and you get that kind of wonderful sort of feeling that you've got this energy beneath you and everybody's together and I think everyone needs a leader but sometimes the leader needs a leader someone needs a hug he needs that kind of feeling and that's when you kind of need your friends and family totally and I mean I have to say I've got an incredible operations director who you know as I've said before, I'm not good at computers and things like that. And she is in phenomenal support in terms of that. But generally every day it's that I feel really, really lucky to be independent that, you know, you're going through this situation like this and I don't have to report to someone else. Yeah. And I hopefully make decisions for my company and myself and my clients, which don't take two weeks to get approval on. So there's things like that, that really, really drive me through moments like this. Yeah money it's slightly different i mean essentially i'm in a service industry you know it's not like i have a product to sell growth mm. definitely not i have no aspirations to have a global agency as i prefer to be small and successful and have longevity yeah. than be huge but that's so brilliant for people to hear that because you know that like i think today everybody wants massive huge big success and I think this pandemic is going to show people that you can be small agencies small people working together still make good money still give that service and not feel that you've got to have agencies all over the world and then it's manageable yeah and also no offense but as, as you know as I've said before I'm not the expert on who is the coolest florist in New York but I do have a friend who's based there who has an agency who knows that and I've got a friend in Hong Kong who knows that and I've got a friend in Paris who knows that so more and more we're working as like a family family yeah doing it in like this kind of formal way with contracts but when you trust people in the way that they work because you've known them as you said because you, you always be interns together yeah. it really kind of brings people together and you can have a global network without having a huge absolutely and i just think that um when i look at some of the brands that are some of the best selling brands so whether it's lifestyle or like a little grocery shop or fashion it isn't always about big global business. Yeah. I think there's something to be said for like small and beautiful and steady. Cause actually I think stability 
is like one of the most important things for like then health and happiness on top of that. It's very, very, it's very key. And one of the things I talked about over the last couple of weeks was that, you know, people that had lost their jobs should all kind of come together and everyone can help each other and have one client, but you yeah. could have six people all doing something and you all get a bit of the pie. So yeah. it's kind of what you're saying. Um, how important is celebrity endorsement today on, on your business? I mean, is it like really, really key? I mean, it, compared to when I started seven years ago, when I said we were never going to do celebrity, it now is very, very critical. But also the word celebrity means so many different things to different, well, yeah. different yeah. clients. So there's the LA-based celebrity, there's the influencer, but then also you have like the kind of more niche influencer who maybe only has a couple of hundred, hundred followers, but has like the coolest gallery in, say, Peckham. You know, actually, I, I really do rely on my team to find who the next celebrity is. And what can be kind of so annoying is that like you find these people and then like a huge brand has got them on exclusive for next season. But it's, it's definitely really, really important. But also, I think it's about building different celebrity communities around your different clients. Yeah. We're very, very and key with that. Are you frightened of failure or is it just something that spurs you on? Like if you think something's not going to work, are you like, okay, it's not going to work. I've got something. I, you know, I'm not going to waste time on that. Or do you panic? Depends. I'm very stubborn. So, <laughs> so it depends like how scary it is because I kind of normally know what I can solve. Like most things are solvable, especially in fashion when you have to say to yourself, it is just a pair of shoes. Yeah. When it's, personal and it's someone's health or their well-being and that's when it that's can emotional yeah. yeah but that's also when like you know you go into automatic mode and you work and rely with the people that work with you in your business so mm. i am frightened of failure but i'm it's more like i'm stubborn so i won't let it happen if that makes sense what star sign are you aries aries oh yeah okay um what um was there like a defining moment or many, you know, like you have a tipping point in a business where you kind of get to a point and go, oh, okay, that just happened. It's the next phase and then the next phase. Are you aware of them when you look back? Yeah, I, I, think, I think definitely over the years when we've started getting approached by big kind of global corporations, that's been really interesting. But actually some of the things I love the most and maybe it's an ego thing. It's when you get an email from like, someone's sister who's like just graduated who says I really really want to come and intern with you I don't know why those things mean more to me but it's like those emails that say oh I've like been following like all the brands that you work with and like they actually have like personal anecdotes that you realize that someone really people are really watching yeah, yeah. Means, I know those are things that I really love that's really nice though yeah. um do you kind of feel you've reached the top? I know, I know what the answer is to this, but it's quite good for people to hear. Like, do you feel you've reached the top or do you know you can keep growing um, always, you know, and make it bigger and better but within the perimeters that you want? Um, I don't, I definitely don't want to get bigger, but I want to survive. And I want, <laughs> as in, I want, I want my business to come out the other, the other side as like an example of how you can, can do it. I, and, I, and I want to feel proud about that. I think longevity more than anything. Mm. I, don't, I don't want for much in a way in, in the fact that, you know, we've, we've got wonderful families, you know, and like we've got fantastic clients and stuff like that. It's just, um, 
It's survival. It's, it's, it's having your business the other end. And I also don't want to be the biggest agency in the world. I just want to be known for doing a really, really good job. So it's a different... And do you think in a, in a way, and I know this is a weird question, um, but obviously what we're living through now is something that none of us have lived through before. But do you think in a way it's enabled you to look at things in a, in a slower, quieter time? where you can really look at how you can better things or change things in your business? Yes. I mean, I wouldn't say it's been a quieter time for us. But no, I meant just the silence kind of in the world that everyone's at home, not quieter because I know you're really busy, but that kind of feeling that the world has kind of stopped in a way and sort of re is recharging. Yeah, I think definitely what was really interesting was that, you know, the next seven months were like, planned out I'm sure like you with like a calendar of events and fashion weeks and fashion months and art shows and in-store events and without any of those happening how do you still generate employees yeah I think from the very beginning everything was about um sensitivity ultimately everyone still wants content everyone still needs to trade and sell their wares so how do you do it in a sensitive sensitive kind of I guess we call it like, yeah, kind of considerate PR mm. and what, and what you're talking about and how you're talking about it. And, um, it definitely has made me kind of rethink things and also, you know, being very kind of strict as you say, when you're thinking about your company that I want my team to step away from their computers between one and two o'clock, whether that's to go to the shop, to go and get some fresh air, to just not be at a screen. And again, by six o'clock every day, Whereas in the past, sometimes we'd be like still at the office at 7.30 being thinking like, oh God, I've got to stay here. I want them off their computers at six o'clock. I want you off your computer at six o'clock. We've been trying to get you off it. So maybe this is a good thing. <laughs> I, I'm actually trying to be really, really strict with myself. My mother sent me some tapestry to do, which is time consuming <laughs> to say the least. But um, it's almost like the day is like this kind of crazy digital whirlwind. And then the evenings I try and like stop and yeah. do basically become like a grandmother doing like well actually our grandmother is horrified I'm doing tapestry she said that she'd never heard anything so horrific in her life <laughs> I would knit if I could actually go and get some knitting needles and stuff because I love knitting yeah. but you know what's weird is when I started at 16 and a half like there was no social media at all and um you know I'm I'm sort of happy that there wasn't because my creativity came out of things I saw on my traveling and you know, my runners came out of Obi's from Japan and, you know, like so much of it. So how do you feel about it? And do you think that people can still be creative today because everything's so accessible online? Or do you think that you have to sort of slightly sort of switch off from that so that you can be creative? I mean, I definitely think having digital detoxes every so often is a good thing. For me and social media personally, it's it's not necessarily a personal account I yeah. guess it's more like a kind of an insight into what I like whether that's clothes or flowers or decor but I'm not the kind of person that would put up how I was feeling today for example right. so right. I'm really kind of separated yeah and I, I actually think quite a lot of creatives do do that as well whether it's posting inspirational pictures or pictures of their work for them it's not necessarily appropriate to say again here's a picture of my baby or here's a picture yeah. everyone approaches it in a different way but I also think more than ever is not judging how other people use social media for their their own use yes yeah. everybody's Every, different everyone is different and I think that 
when I'd started, social media was just starting, but it was really more about Facebook and Twitter. It wasn't as visual, whereas Instagram, it just became this kind of crazy visual thing. But now even with something like TikTok, it's like a whole other world. But I am quite old fashioned and Instagram is the only social media platform I have and mm. use. But again, I, I do kind of keep it separate. I like... I would prefer to call a friend or write a letter to a friend about how I'm personally feeling than put it on social media. That's, but that's just me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the weird thing is when I started all those years ago, PR was just kind of not accepted. You know, if you said you had a PR, people were kind of quite strange about that. But actually I, in a way, was sort of slightly forward thinking. And I realized that I had product that I wanted to get out there. You didn't have social media, so you needed someone like Lucia van der Post to write about you in the FT, and she did. And, you know, you felt like you'd won the lottery. And so I think that, um, you know, today, what you call yourself and who you are is an accepted role. You know, it's very different from when I started. It, it is, although I still cringe when I say I'm a PR. I, I really... What else would you call yourself? A creative what? I don't know, maybe like an agent or an agency. I don't know, because I also think that PR doesn't exist in the same way that it did 10 years ago. I think that we do everything from marketing to digital to social to celebrity to events. Like, it, as I, all I just see is these flashbacks from Ab Fab whenever I think fashion PR. And I just don't want to be that person. I mean, like... I was in that movie, remember? Oh, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, there's something about saying you're a PR that I've, I've really wanted us to be seen as more than that, that we're humans. I can't really describe it like... A PR has feelings as well. But then it's, maybe you should come up with a new name. Maybe, maybe we should, but I... I do think that more than ever it is important, but it's just important in different ways. And your the way that you work is very different. I, I still every day get really excited saying all the clippings going to all of my clients. I open every single one of them. Yeah. And I also feel really excited when it's been something that's been in the works for like six, six months. Well, that's so nice. But that's part of the thing is that, you know, people listening to this, you know, I've always said if you have a passion for something, that that's your ticket. That's your winning ticket. If you don't have that burning feeling and you know as you're saying you've got staff that could open all of those press cuttings and send them but you you it's your baby you know the excitement the work that's gone into it and then to forward that and know that you've created that yeah. you know, you're sort of a connector you're a creator you're a, you know all of those things it's it's wonderful yeah, um what's the next one how do you juggle family and work i could probably <laughs> answer that <laughs> our family <laughs> maybe we should go into that question <laughs> um, I think actually you you if people don't know you've got three wonderful sisters and I've never seen such an amazing relationship you all have it's really sweet it's like four little women all together and it's it's adorable you're so close to each other I mean we are like little women like we all lie on the sofa and stroke our hair I mean I'm Beth so I don't know what that says about me, but <laughs> it doesn't matter that I'm the older sister. You know, my, my sisters are really kind of strong in their own ways. And it's actually really kind of good. They all give me amazing, amazing advice. And they're all very talented in their own ways. But yeah. I do think as a family, you know, we are, we are an intense, large family. But actually, we are all here to help each other. And 
although the Hoffman helpline in WhatsApp has basically like taken up all the memory on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the food pictures yesterday sent me into a spiral. I couldn't even answer because I was just putting something in the microwave. I just didn't dare post it. <laughs> but I actually do feel incredibly lucky that we, we do have that, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think there's, there's the balance, but then also, you know, there is that feeling of luckiness. And, you know, I know that if I have, a legal question I could call my grandmother or mother who'd probably give me really good advice. Absolutely. It's, whereas like Plum will tell me exactly if I'm doing cocktails for an event, exactly what kind of alcohol I need to be using this or what's the kind of cool brand or I'm being overcharged on this. And then, you know, you give me so much other advice as well. And yeah, I feel really, really lucky, but uh, between family and work, it is a full time job. I mean, I know. Joke and yeah. do you have any quotes that you stand by like a mantra that's yours um well kill with kindness <laughs> manners cost nothing yeah and i mean my mother says this but this is also a quote from sense sensibility if you've got nothing nice to say then just talk about the weather yeah <laughs> um so I, I, true i kind of yeah i mean so that's that's been around for a while that quote but that's all good. those things are very important and I always tell all the people in the office you know when you see that intern coming with a huge suitcase of clothes offer them a glass of water mm. we all those like burly bike guys are on their bikes all day offer them a cup of tea or some biscuits like none of these things cost us anything, anything. yeah comes around and people remember yeah yeah when you're overwhelmed what do you do do you panic stop take time travel eat shop or sleep or all of them I mean, I'm not very good at sleep generally. Or drink. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I would probably, if I was panicking, I probably would just try and go into my own space and try and kind of logically think it out or actually writing down things a lot really helps for me. I do think, you know, there's something to be said about like mental health and mental support, like realizing when yeah. you actually maybe need to not talk to friends about something, but talk to someone maybe more professional. Um, yeah. And are you good at asking for help? Yes, I think I've got much better at it. I okay. mean, ex exercise really yeah. helps. Well, I mean, I have to say doing this pandemic solo in what week eight or something or week seven, exercise gives me a routine, which mm. really, really helps. And then, yeah, like a shot of tequila as well. <laughs> like on the bottle sometimes. Um, yeah, so oh, I love it. Some of those are healthy. <laughs> Do you relate to these words? Tenacity, courage, passion, focus, determination and hope. I do, but I think that my determination is also stubbornness. And I think, think? That is, I think it is a hopping trait. And also, like, I don't think I'm necessarily like a passionate person, but I go with gut. I know with gut what I want to focus on and be determined or stubborn about, if that makes sense. But passion is about excitement, isn't it? When you get that flurry in your stomach and you're passionate about your job. I mean, you are passionate. You're definitely passionate. You might pretend that you don't use that word. Yeah, I guess I don't, it's not really necessarily a word I associate with myself because I think the other thing about being a PR is that you're quite often the person behind the curtains. You're like kind of the puppeteer, which is another reason why I sometimes hate that word. And so you can feel passionate about it, but quite often it's helping someone else to feel passionate about something and then getting that into whatever is getting out there. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually quite a shy person. So, um, yeah. And how do you feel when other agencies or other brands copy what you have created? Do you, do you get angry or did you used to get angry or now do you just go, well, okay, that's, that's nice. 
Yeah, I try now to see it as kind of healthy competition, but also it's actually quite nice now to have quite a few smaller agencies of my own size because when I first did it, it was quite unusual to yeah. have a smaller fashion agency. It was quite lonely and isolating. Um, so now I quite like the kind of, it's not necessarily competition. I think we all have our own kind of identities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But I think that's really nice for people listening because I always say the same. It's like I don't look at competition. It's just you look at what other people are doing. It's a community. Yeah. And I think comp if you want to use the word competition, it's actually healthy because the more people that are out there, the better it is. Yeah, and ultimately, I want PR as an industry to survive this as as well. And I've got friends who have like the most amazing sort of small food agencies or small interior agencies. And again, we're all helping each other now. I'm saying, right, so which one of your companies is delivering vegetable boxes to London or which one of your restaurants is doing deliveries? Let's let's like hook them up with one of our fashion clients so that they can kind of cross pollinate and cross yeah, 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 yeah. And help each other out. So I and also I don't want to be a big fashion agency. So I don't I don't really get upset about stuff like that either because I don't want to, to be them. I'm kind of in awe of what they've done, but I don't want to be that person. But I think this is really good because at the moment everybody's helping everybody, but you automatically do it yourself. I love to connect people with my black book. If someone says to me, do you, I'm like, it's before we finish the conversation, I've texted the number. You've got to speak to them. You've got to do it. Because I think what a lot of people don't realize is the more you share and the more you give, the more you get back. And people remember that. And it's really important. Yeah. And it, it does always come back. I always, I always think that like, there's always a story where it's come back, where it's like someone's sister did an internship with you, as I've mentioned before, and then they've gone to work somewhere else and then they get in touch and they help you out with something in the future. It always comes around. So what's next for you? Um, another Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I wish they had filters on Zoom. I'm yet to figure that one out. No, so the best one is Microsoft Teams where you can put a different background behind you and you can have like a chic New York loft or like a Disney style medieval town. The thing is, I like my interiors though. It's just more the face. <laughs> yeah, I've got some more calls and um, trying to kind of work out just, I guess, some next next steps for the business and yeah do some probably some tapestry tonight and some slow cooking <laughs> well daisy hoffman i'm in awe of you you've built an incredible business and i think that all the listeners and people will be absolutely fascinated because you've done it and you've got a great head on your shoulders and you're really positive and so thank you for coming thank on you. our podcast thank you for also helping me with all the advice the first few weeks when i was in like full-on panic not feeling well at all so thank you Kelly. no it's a pleasure always lots of love lots of love bye bye, bye.